Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, July 14th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi children are at heightened risk as the Delta variant of COVID-19 continues its spread in the state. And after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, America's fight over voting rights intensifies. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On yesterday's show, we read a tweet from State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs about children in intensive care with COVID-19. The data in that tweet was incorrect. Last night, Dr. Dobbs issued a correction. He says the number of Mississippi children in the ICU is actually seven. Among those, two are on ventilators. Those figures still suggest that serious cases of COVID-19 in children are on the rise. That's a notable shift from previous spikes when young people accounted for only a tiny fraction of hospitalizations. So what's changed? Dr. Alan Jones of the University of Mississippi Medical Center says a few factors are at play. The theory is one of two things. The first is the Delta variant we know is a lot more infectious than the original variants that we saw or the original virus, somewhere probably between two and seven times as infectious. So it could just be that it is spreading more in the pediatric population. The second is is that the Delta variant does appear to cause a little bit more severe disease, and it could be that these pediatric patients are just becoming symptomatic and infected, whereas before they were infected and asymptomatic. We're not exactly sure which of those it is, but it could be a combination of both. Dr. Anita Henderson is a pediatrician and the president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Speaking with MPB's Kobe Vance, she insists parents and kids are not defenseless against COVID. This is a preventable disease. The coronavirus vaccine has been approved since December. It has been available for children ages 12 and up since May. And so my message to Mississippians, to parents, is to get vaccinated now, to go ahead and get your child age 12 and up vaccinated now, because coronavirus is serious, it is severe, and it can be deadly in children, as is evidenced by the number of children in the hospital and in the ICU right now. 
a couple months ago, the Pfizer did uh, receive approval from the FDA to start vaccinating people as young as 12 years old. How is have you seen that uptake in Mississippi? Do you see children taking it, or do you think there's still room for improvement there? We are seeing some children take it, but there is definitely room for improvement. Right now in Mississippi, about 6% of 12 to 15-year-olds are fully vaccinated. About 13% of 16 and 17-year-olds are fully vaccinated. About 20% of 18 to 24-year-olds are fully vaccinated. So you can see that there are... The vast majority of those eligible, those young adults, those teenagers, are still unvaccinated. Nationally, we still can see room for improvement in those ages. Nationally, about 24% of 12 to 15-year-olds are fully vaccinated, and about 36% of 16 and 17-year-olds are fully vaccinated. So I think people need to understand, while coronavirus in general in the past has been milder, in the adolescents and the teenagers, it still is causing illness. It still is spreading, and it is still potentially causing complications. So our message to families are go ahead and get your kids vaccinated now. Now, this week uh, in Tennessee, we actually saw a health official that was uh, recently uh, dismissed by the state. I don't know if you're familiar with the situation, but she was promoting vaccines for teens. How seriously should Mississippi be promoting vaccinations for uh, for teens as we continue to try to combat this, especially in that age group? I think that's very unfortunate what happened in Tennessee. Um, obviously, as a pediatrician, I encourage vaccinations, all the approved and recommended vaccines, because we know they prevent illness and prevent death. And we as pediatricians, we as physicians throughout the state are continuing to promote vaccines for age 12 and up because they are safe, they're effective, and they will prevent coronavirus transmission, coronavirus death. So I think it's very unfortunate what happened in Tennessee. And I do hope that our lawmakers, our legislators, the general public understand what public health officials throughout the state and throughout the country are doing um, during this time of coronavirus in their attempts to improve the health and safety of their um, populations. Now, as we come into what could be a third wave of transmission with the coronavirus, we also happen to be right back at that time of year where students are going to extracurricular activities are starting back up, like band. The students are going back to schools to start practicing for sport seasons. What should students be doing right now to be able to start planning for what could be another wave of transmission if they want to continue those activities? The best thing that students and parents can do right now if they're 12 and up is to go ahead and schedule that appointment to get vaccinated. If they're vaccinated, they're going to be more likely to be protected, and they will also not have to quarantine when they are exposed to coronavirus within their band, within their football team. We have seen a lot of cases in adolescents, in children, in families, and so we're having those conversations again about How long do I quarantine? If I'm positive, how long do I isolate? And so those family members are having to deal with school, daycare, work situations right now. When school starts back, that is only going to increase. So our message is to go ahead and get vaccinated if you're 12 and up. If you're under 12, continue those safety measures of hand washing, of avoiding large groups of unnecessary gatherings. We are also seeing people who think they have the common cold. They think they have allergies. They have a little bit of a runny nose. 
So they are not being as vigilant as they were last year about avoiding groups. Those people may go on to contract or test positive for coronavirus, and then they have now exposed a large number of people. So if you're sick, stay home, get tested, and get vaccinated. Everybody's been living this for a year, but again, could you help just remind parents what the differentiating things might be that they could look for in their kids to say, oh, wait, I need to definitely get my kid tested? The older children, the adolescents, the teens may have symptoms such as loss of taste, loss of smell. But the other symptoms for coronavirus generally mimic other colds, cough, cold, runny nose, fever, fatigue. Sometimes children are coming in with GI symptoms, some nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. And also rashes. Sometimes we're seeing kids with rashes. So anytime your child is sick, running a fever, exposed, um, we want them to go ahead and get tested so we know what to do with them, know how long to keep them isolated, and know if we need to test anyone else in the family. Now looking forward ahead to the fall when school starts back, do you think it'll be wise for schools to require masks, or do you think parents will have to take that upon themselves to send their child to school with a mask? Right now, we are still looking at recommendations from the health department, from the school superintendent. Unfortunately, for Mississippi, every school district makes its own decision in terms of their guidelines and their recommendations. So each school district, county by county, city by city, will make those rules. The CDC continues to recommend children age 2 and up to wear masks in group settings indoors. If you're vaccinated, the recommendation is that's not necessary. However, we know in adolescents, in teenagers, in the younger age group, we, we don't know. It's going to be hard to know if someone is vaccinated or not vaccinated. So I think we will have to wait and see what the schools decide. But parents can make those decisions. They can encourage masking. They can encourage hand washing, hand hygiene, and avoiding unnecessary group activities. And then lastly, parents are probably asking, uh, will it be safe to send my kid back to school or should they be making plans to uh, consider other options? We know that children study and learn best in person. Um, And so we know that schools have done a great job this last year in safety measures. We did not see huge amounts of transmission within the school system last year. But again, most of those schools were masking last year. This year might be a different situation if we're not having masks in general in schools. So I think each parent is going to have to have that discussion. If you have a child who is immunocompromised or has some sort of illness that puts them at increased risk of of disease from coronavirus, that's certainly something to think about. Other families and other um, children will will have to look at that on a case-by-case basis. But I do think in general schools, have done a great job in transmission mitigation measures this last year. Well, Dr. Henderson, is there anything else we might not have touched on that you'd like to echo for Mississippians and let them know about um, what risk could be facing their children right now or how they can protect their children? Make sure you get tested. This fall, we will also start seeing flu again circulating. And so this fall, when it's the opportunity to get a flu shot, go ahead and get your flu vaccine. Anything that we can do vaccine-wise to prevent disease, we want our parents to take advantage of those, those opportunities. Dr. Anita Henderson is a Mississippi pediatrician. 
Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, America's voting rights debate reaches a boiling point. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. During a speech in Philadelphia yesterday, President Biden forcefully denounced what he framed as an attack on American democracy itself. It's hard to declare just how critical this is. It's simply unconscionable. We must ask those who represent us at the federal, state, local levels, will you deny the will of the people? Will you ignore their voices? We have to ask, are you on the side of truth or lies? Fact or fiction, justice or injustice, democracy or autocracy, that's what it's coming down to. Biden's referring to bucketfuls of new state legislation that, if passed, would place restrictions on voting across broad swaths of the country. The heat of the president's rhetoric is not unique. Conflict over two voting bills in Texas is so intense that Democratic lawmakers have literally fled the state to postpone that legislation's passage. And in Washington, pressure cranks up on moderate Democrats to remove the Senate filibuster, which advocates advocates say impedes federal voting reform. Among those calling for aggressive intervention is NAACP CEO Derek Johnson. You could do it through bill reconciliation. You could uh, make the exception to the filibuster. Or there are many other ways that I'm sure creative minds, once they get to the table, they can come up with. This is not about what cannot happen. We should be talking about what's possible. It has been the role of the NAACP. It's been the role of this nation to make what's possible, what others see as impossible. And we get distracted about a procedural rule and and forget that the substance is what matters. I absolutely want to see the filibuster removed. It's a segregationist procedural rule that was perfected by the former senator from Mississippi, Senator Eastland. And that should not be the case. That it was done to impede progress. But right now, I'm more concerned with protecting the right to voters. If it take the filibuster to be removed to get make that happen, great. If we could do it without it, fine. I am concerned around the substance of the public policy, not the procedural rule. This year, debate over voting rights in Mississippi hasn't inspired Texas-level furor, but the issue has, as Johnson indicates, long been contentious within the state. Senate Black Caucus Chair Angela Turner Ford tells MPB's Ashley Norwood it's still a big deal. There were two bills in particular that come to mind. One of them actually passed the Senate where I think if if a person had not voted in, I think, maybe a series of federal elections, they could be purged from the voter rolls. That piece of legislation was particularly alarming to me because I see voting as a right. And just because someone chooses not to vote, I don't think that that right should be taken away from them. And it passed basically along party lines in the Senate. As far as I can recall, that bill was not taken up in the House. And then there was another piece of legislation that required someone to prove their citizenship if It was challenged. There again, I just don't see where either one of those bills were necessary. You know, we do not have early voting here in the state of Mississippi. Bills have been filed for several years trying to get early voting that does not require any type of excuse. 
such as our current process regarding absentee voting does, but I don't really see those bills gaining a lot of traction at present, especially with the, the ballot initiative process having been challenged and basically seeming non-existent at this point. When you look at Mississippi, what's your opinion on just voting rights or voting legislation that are currently on the books? How do you see Mississippi at this point as it compares to other states? Where are we? I think our process is is already restrictive. The challenges that were being proposed in Georgia, we don't even have the, the days of early voting that they have in Georgia. And yet there's even more of an effort in Mississippi to make the process more restrictive than it is. There does not seem to be a general appetite for early voting in the state of Mississippi. And I think the governor has actually said that it will not happen, and certainly he does not support it. I don't see things changing much, but I would say that there's definitely a need for them to change. So what's going to be on the agenda for the Black Caucus as we're heading into a new legislative session come early next year in terms of voting? In the past, we have taken on, I would say, early voting as an issue. The caucus is still deciding what its position will be uh, as it relates to the election process and other issues, education, criminal justice, et cetera. So we're still trying to figure out, I would say, or or double down on what our policies will be that we will present, but certainly elections and early voting are likely to be um, considered by us. You know, the the bills that were presented last session, I expect to see them again. I think that we need to be proactive in our approach. We do not need any restrictive policies regarding voting. That's a right that um, people have lost their lives to acquire here in the state of Mississippi. I prefer progress, and I don't want to see us reverting back to the practices we've had in the past. Other state lawmakers bristle at the idea that Mississippi law serves to suppress the vote. That includes State Representative Jansen Owen, who says measures like Mississippi's voter identification requirements are common sense. I don't see better ideas being a restrictive policy. I think that's important for us to be able to guarantee that our elections are being secure and a process that our people can have confidence in. Without that confidence in our electoral processes, I think that really puts a whole threat on our on our system of government. So it's important that, that our people can have confidence that the, the elections they participate in that determine who leads us are secure and, and projecting in the idea that one person, one vote, and we're not committing fraud or anything. Is there a law on the books in terms of uh, voting in Mississippi that does concern you? There's not a law necessarily on the books. Of course, I think we can expand our access as far as in-person early voting. I'm not a fan, nor do I support expanding mail-in voting. I think that opens the door to too many issues, too many allegations of fraud. You know, it, it throws our system into doubt, and we don't. We want to do everything we can to remove the doubt from the minds of the voters and the people that their system is anything but secure and safe. So, yeah, I I would love to see Mississippi expand in-person voting more, but I wouldn't support, you know, expanding, you know, mail-in voting of any any type. And and by expanding in-person voting, it's my opinion that you reduce the need for that mail-in voting system. Is there anything I didn't ask you about, you know, just previous legislation or 
if there is anything in the works ahead of the next legislative session that you would like to speak on. I'm certain that there will be things in the next session, you know, as far as voting is concerned, especially with the, the way things are right now. The people have got to have faith in their system, and we have to do what we can to make sure that that faith remains in our electoral system while making sure that our people have easy access to voting. I'm of the mindset that we should make it easy to vote and harder to cheat. I think a, a lot of Republicans are on that mind, in that mindset that, you know, we have to do everything we can to make sure that our voters can vote, but we also have a responsibility to protect our electoral systems from fraud and corruption or anything that might cast our system into doubt. You know, once you do that, you, if the people don't have trust in their system, then we don't have a system at all. And that's, that's, that's my opinion on that. Make sure we're uh, making it easy for our people to vote, but harder to cheat. The next Mississippi legislative session is scheduled for early next year. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.